everybody. Welcome to the Healing Place podcast. So today I am honored to have with me Leslie Peters, RN, who is here to talk about one of your programs is Voices That Matter and Conversations That Matter, correct? Yes, yes. They're newly named, though. No one knows about the new name, so you'll be the first. Awesome. What are they named? Well, the new name is Heart Talks, and um, the reason for the name switch is that I created a program called the Heart Program. So, um, and there were so many conversations that matter out there. So, um, yeah, so we switched it up. That's really cool. Well, that touches me because if you if you ever get to know me in a, on a personal level, I find hearts everywhere. I'm surrounded by hearts. I collect hearts. Um, and yeah, people will put on my Facebook page, Hey, Terry, I saw a heart cloud today. And they'll, you know, pop a picture of it on face. So I, I truly find them every day without fail. So I'm like, Oh, heart talks. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's an acronym, but, um, you know, it, it works. So, you know, I've, um, in doing this work, the personal work, but in, working with my profession in it. Um, it's been a long year's journey of, of finding an audience that is, you know, the work is appropriate with. Right. Um, yeah, and the heart talks and the living life with heart kind of just seemed like the right place to be. Okay. Living life with heart is the other one? Yeah, we're going to go with, I've got a couple still. The website's under, it's under reconstruction. Um, so I think overall tagline is going to be living life with heart, but then healing with heart will be the name of the actual program. Okay. So, I love it. Yeah. Are you going yeah, to be doing a podcast, have a website? I will. The website should be up in a few weeks. I've been told the changes will be made and then a podcast will most likely be coming out in midsummer. And I'm in the process of writing a book. Me too. Yeah. Wow. We're like the same person yeah. right now with that. Yes, I love it. Um, and it's exciting to, I don't know, get our story out there. So, yeah. It is because, you know what, like with the Heart Talks, I've been doing them um, for about a year and a half off and on um, right now. And I guess I did 30, around 30 so far. Um Initially, it was funny. I started it. I was a home care nurse, and for about 15 years, I worked with women on welfare who had high-risk pregnancies, and that's where I actually began to see my own adverse childhood experiences um, because I thought I was such a cool nurse that I blended right into the, (laughs) the, and it was just because I had the same thinking. Uh-huh. Um, you know, but it, as a healthcare professional, it really worked to my advantage because I understood the thinking and the coping mechanisms. And so I understood how to get people to be more compliant with their care. Um, so it actually did work out. It's like a huge gap. Sure. Were you aware of, um, at the time of the concept of like trauma-informed care or was it something you just kind of... no. Developed. Nope. No, actually, you know, as far as in institutions right now, it's just, I'd say, in the last year, becoming big in Philadelphia, 
we're pretty good, but I went to a nursing conference a couple of weeks ago, and the majority of people there, and it was right outside of Washington, had no clue what trauma-informed care was. So, wow, you know, yeah. I know, I think I first, and it wasn't termed ACEs, but I first realized that my thinking wasn't exactly healthy and run-in-the-mill. Um, when my son signed himself into rehab, about, I think it was 2012, um, for alcohol abuse. And they recommended I read Codependent No More. Oh, I'm in the middle of that one. Yes, great book. Yeah. Yeah, I read that in four hours and went, oh my God, I'm so not well. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And that just started my personal development. And, you know, it just started me on a path of seeing how, you know, what I thought was normal thinking was really not normal thinking. Right. Well, and, and again, you know. Now, I, I, you know, I don't even want to use the word normal because really what is normal. But it wasn't healthy thinking. But what it was, though, and the more you do this work, I think the more you attract people who have the same history. But it is rampant. I mean, these ACEs, um, you know, I don't know, does your audience know what ACEs is? Yeah, well, we've talked about it in the past, but just to clarify in case for any new new listeners, adverse childhood sure. experience. Yeah, I mean, ACEs is a, a CDC the, the study in CDC's Center for Disease Control, and, and they were actually helping people with obesity, a large, like 17,000 people, mostly middle class, and um, they couldn't figure out why people couldn't keep the weight off. So they looked at people's backgrounds. They found that they had like 10 common things. And it's basically, I, I call it like our baggage when we grow up. You right. know, it's called adverse childhood experiences. And they're things like growing up with a parent who's an addict or growing up with a parent or caregiver as chronic mental illness, um, any type of abuse, any type of neglect, um, growing up in a one um parent household, although that one's been taken off now, and um, someone in jail, not feeling loved or safe, and, you know, so you get a point for each, and they found that, like, 70, almost 70% of our country has at least one, um, and I think the latest stats were, what, 25% have a score greater than four, and that's where you see it really affects, like, pretty much every aspect of your life. Over six, the, you know, the higher the score, um, the more it's supposed to affect physically, emotionally, and chemically. You know, and, and you've been, like, when we were growing up, I don't know how old you are, I'm 55, so, I mean, when I was growing up, we didn't talk about stuff, and, you know, you're kind of just suck it up and right. deal with whatever emotions you were feeling. You know, and so the CDC study basically validates people's story. Yes. Is what it, it gives validation. It says, you know what? Yeah, this causes, like, emotional, behavioral, and medical things. And, uh, yeah, so it's nice. Not to use it as an excuse. Um, no, but it, but it, well, like you just said, I just wrote that in my newsletter this morning, is there? there's a validation um, in in the ACEs reports and and what's coming to, what's surfacing and coming to light. Um, And resiliency, um, resilience is just such a huge factor in um, how we can help kids, um, well, and adults, 
Well, you know, well, I can say, I mean, part of the, you know, part of the problem, and I think the thing with validation is, and Terry, like, I interview people also, they're called hard talks, they formerly conversations that matter, but I, I'm not, I'm sure you've seen the same thing I have, and it is that, like, at the end of the day, the gateway to healing is people feeling seen and heard. Yes. And and that they matter. And part of that is validating what they've been through. Um, sure. I mean, and, think think about the hashtag me too. Right. How huge yep. that was because it gave a platform to stand up and say me too. Yeah. Well, you, you, it was so funny. My A year ago, I guess, a year and a half ago, my first site was womennotalone.com. And that's still up. And that's where, like, the first group of um, um, interviews that I did were housed. And that's when I went, oh, my God, these are the faces, the aces. Like, everything, as I was watching and editing them. But it it was on there, like, me too. It's on there. And I'm like, okay, how do I capitalize? But, you know, I didn't even go there. It wasn't the plan, but... It is. It's, you know, and I think the key is vulnerability. You know, I mean, and that's what I'm saying. Like, if people are afraid to be themselves and to share that, and you don't even have to share the experience, but it's the thoughts that we all have that, like, keep us stuck. But the reality is everyone has them. Right. You know? And it's how do you... How do you get past those thoughts? Yeah. Uh, that, that and none, I mean, none of this is funny. Like, none of it's new stuff. Right. The tools they teach that we teach on, on how to get past it, it's old, old stuff. You know, it's just, um, you know, I think before it was for those, like, you know, whatever they want to call them, woo-woo spiritual people, who, because... We didn't know that this trauma actually changes the brain, you know, and how we think. And, um, yeah, so now it's just more acceptable, more accepting, I think. And it really is the only way to get past this stuff. Yes, correct. Well, I went, I spoke at an event. Um, it was a, uh, um, a trauma conference and the keynote speaker. So I spoke first and then the keynote speaker came up and, and talked and I just like, was mesmerized by what this what this person had to say um as far as like exactly what you just said in that bonding you know if if like a child doesn't have a a relationship where they can create a bond with a with a mother or a father or a caregiver of some sort um their resilience is just so low but if a teacher steps up or a coach steps up or a grandparent or somebody is in that child's life if somebody can come in and just give that child some you know comfort an ear uh, whatever it is it's amazing how that resilience will will rise up so yeah you know here's my concern with that though and you know I think I had actually asked on the Ace of Connection site one time like what is the end game with resilience like what exactly is resilience like I'm not even sure I like that word because it can have I mean basically I mean short form like if you fall down you can get back up right but you know when we're my concern with kids is that 
you know, the HAR program, I actually wrote initially for schools because I didn't understand why these principles of um, learning to control the mind and the thoughts and, and the, all the things that go along with that, why are we not teaching this in schools? Like, why are we waiting until we're 40 years old to try to retrain a brain that the older you get, the harder it is to retrain? So are you talking you about, know? like, mindfulness training in schools? My, yeah, mindfulness okay. and, you know, I mean, the program I wrote is, like, you know, it starts with, like, a heart-centered human. Like, just, I mean, the start of healing, I think, for all this is just being human. Yes. But but acting human, right. <laughs> you know, like stopping and asking and listening. And well, and allowing ourselves to feel the, what we're feeling and to experience what we're experiencing. Right, right. Yes. So, you know, the program, it, it would take kids, it would just be taught throughout school. Like, you know, all the habits that when you do, um, I'm also trained as a success coach for uh, Jack Campbell, who was the creator of, the Chicken Soup of the Soul series. He's been teaching these conferences and this uh, training method on these success principles for years. And, and what's the name of it again? Jack Canfield. Yeah, and what, what's the program? Oh, they're success principles. Oh, okay. He calls it the success principles. Okay. You know, but they're very basic things. Like, And the first, you know, I think... Tell me how you feel about this, but from my own personal experience and from what I've seen, the first step um, is becoming self-aware, but the very next step is you have to get out of that victim mentality, and that involves taking self-responsibility. Absolutely. And it doesn't mean blaming yourself, but it means like, okay, there was unhealthy thinking, and so... Because of that, there are ways I set myself up to be treated a certain way, or there are ways I set myself. So that's a, like we're taking accountability and responsibility. Because what that does is when you get out of that victim mode, you see you do have power to change things. When you're stuck in that victim mindset, nothing will change because you feel powerless. Well, and that's what part of my program and on my website is learn to be your own hero and I'm creating an online course for that and it's going to be about empowerment and and taking your power back and yes not not coming at it from a victim uh, mentality um, but from an empowerment mentality yeah and I mean that's not that's not easy no because no you know from all the women I've cared for because my entire nursing career, which is 25 years, I, I exclusively work with women and um, and women's health. And, you know, I mean, one of the fears, one of the, like, disempowering beliefs or false beliefs we say is that, like, we're alone from that abandonment issue. Whether we were physically abandoned or not, we feel like we're abandoned. Sure. And so... You know, when you're surrounded by toxic people, most of the times it's family that does the most harm. I mean, letting go of those people is really hard. And I've done it in the past year. I mean, I left job, work, relationship, a couple family members who were toxic. They died, so I didn't have to get rid right. of them. But, but, I mean, like, at the end of the day, you look, and as you're trying to help yourself and get out of these toxic relationships, you're in them because fear being alone but when you're done healing and you've shed everyone you are alone right but 
But when I've you're comfortable a, being I've alone. <laughs> so, so people who are on that path of like trying to change their lives and spiritually awaken and not religious, spiritual awakening. Um, the goal is, though, at the end of the day, you will be alone, but you will be okay. Like you'll realize that nowhere will be home until you can call yourself alone home. Yes. So, but that's very scary as you're giving people up and you're purposely doing what you fear the most. Right. You know? Right. No, I get it. And it is scary. And it's, it's um, learning to, well, I think in reading that book, Codependent Relationships, um, yeah, and what we hold on to toxic-wise that we need to let go of is, is a yeah. huge component. Yes. Very much. Yeah, I, and finally, I think like the first rule of thumb before you do any of this work is you got to be okay getting comfortable being with really uncomfortable. Right. Um, you know, and I, I don't like to, I don't want to scare people away from change, but I also want to, you know, I've done so many of these courses and nobody tells you that it's difficult. They tell you like how great it is at the end and it is great. But that period between being who you used to be and becoming who you're supposed to be, or that that in between period, right. isn't always easy. So I, I, you know, I say that not to scare people away, but just when they start this work, if they go like one step forward, two or three backwards, and they that's okay. That's part of the process. Absolutely, and I I've documented my whole journey. Um, you know, over these past five, six years, and I, I'm that open book person, and I think people appreciate it and respect it because I have put my stuff out there to say, yeah, it's I've had this huge setback, um, and this isn't going so well, but to yeah. get back up and keep fighting and keep taking those steps forward um, is huge, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, what about when? Um... What about when we talk to, go your, ahead. your personal story? I mean, how did you what? how did you get yeah. how did you get involved? What made you want to do these um, you know document this with these women? You know, well, I'll tell you what. Another gift that came out of my story. I mean, my story is there was sexual abuse. It's not really clear though. I don't recall who I. Um, I don't even, I blocked out ages 5 to 12, you know, and when I started this work, I went to a hypnotherapist who consulted with a few people, and they highly recommended letting things lie until they come out on their own, because okay. whatever happened, I was a long time to block out, sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, it, you know, if forced up, it may cause more harm than good, but from, you know, 12 on, there was a lot of emotional abuse and manipulation um, because one of my parents was an addict gambling, but still, it doesn't matter what kind of addict. It's the addict, it's the mentality, that manipulative mentality yes. of um, the addict that kind of messes you up. And I don't know, like the gaslighting, have you ever heard that term? Yes, the gaslighting, absolutely. Yeah, yeah from narcissistic, yes. yeah, narcissistic relationships. Yeah, the gaslighting. You know, I mean, the thing is, too, is like when you're dealing with someone's addiction, is that they feel horrible about themselves. But at the same time, to compensate, they like 
they think they're perfect. So that's where, you know, that's where the catch-22 comes in. Because of my situation, and like many women, I ended up marrying a guy who was just like my dad, except for he was an alcoholic. Um, and, you know, I think what happens is we trust the people who love us yes. because they're supposed to love us, right? And they're supposed to look out for us. So, you know, when people are... Uh, are supposed to love you, your family are making you feel bad about yourself because it's the way they feel good about them. As kids and stuff, we don't know that we don't know that they're doing it to make themselves feel better. Right. That it means nothing about us. Um, and you know that's that's a horrible thing because I did you have experience at all with any uh, family members with addiction? Yes, my mother was an alcoholic, or is an alcoholic. We're dealing with it right now. As a matter of fact, she's eighty-two. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah, and so she just now. Came. Did she play the like? I, I, it's it's this little weird, sick, crazy thing. It's like victim or perpetrator, victim, rescuer. Yes. And yeah, yeah. So and and for your audience, the perpetrator is someone who is. Who is making you feel bad? Who is harming you, whether it's emotionally or physically? And then they come, and then you play the victim, right? And you feel bad, like you've done wrong. And but then the person who comes in to rescue you is the same person who hurt you. And so then, as an individual or victim, you go, "Wow, maybe it is me." Now hold on, because if they love me, they wouldn't do that to me. But then they do all this nice stuff. So. At the end of the day, I think what gets us all in trouble is that we don't have a sense of who we are and we don't trust ourselves. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Great way, great way to describe it and look at it. And then and for a child to deal with that growing up with an addict, holy moly, does that instill some, yeah, some messed up versions of what, what are, who we really are. Well, that's it. Like, when I start, and I don't know about you, but when I started this work, I mean, I was older. I'm, like, 55 now, so, like, 50 around. And um, I went, who am I? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, I mean, great, and there's a gift and curse of everything. And, you know, I always, like, the people I've met, her people do, you know, sometimes we tend to be all or nothing, and I think we're like that in the way we respond to her. Like, we either hate people or we overly, like, give and love and want to help everyone to get what we never had. Right. Either that or we're really angry, like, these kids are, like, going into school and shooting, you know? And, right, right. Um, so, so the gift is, though that, you know, I became a helper. And and so, you know, I, you know sometimes I go off on tangents on this, sorry, but I think no. we were talking, you were talking about the kids and, oh, what started me. Right. You know, what I was going to say is <clears throat> what started me um, was my son. But what was really cool is that my story, when I didn't feel accepted at all because by my family, and, you know, now in hindsight, it's actually pretty cool if you can look at it that, like, my dad was a really smart, amazing guy, and I'm, I'm like him. And I think 
you know, when I was 15, I had these big dreams and big plans. I was going to save the world. And I think I actually made him feel bad about himself. And I adored my dad. So I think I played small to make him feel better. Oh, right. So, which, you know, but by doing that, and I couldn't be myself at home. So as soon as I started to drive and, like, became a little independent, like, the, the world outside my front door was my home. And and everyone became my family. So since that young age, like, I always go up to strangers, and I ask them really, like, because another great thing about having ACES is you have very few boundaries, so right. you'll ask anything, you know? Yes. Um, but that, I think that's how I stayed resilient, is because by asking people really good questions, I mean, I'll still this day go up to someone in a store and say, you just ask me, you know, like, if you could do one thing in the world, what would it be? Because I'd love to get people to think. Right. Um, that's like a, that's went, a Dr. Wayne Dyer yeah. thing. Do you, have you read Dr. Wayne Dyer books? I did. I haven't read. I've listened to him. Yeah. Um, and that's one yeah. of the things he says is don't just say to somebody, you know, how are you? But, uh, yeah, have, make them think. Um, yeah, to me that's really fun when someone says, "Ooh, I never saw that for it." Like that totally lights me. Oh, up. so I'm but, gonna so throw at you one of my one of my questions, and oh, I sent you the questions. You already know what I'm gonna ask, but that's one of my favorite questions to throw at people is, if you could meet anyone in the world, dead or alive, who could help you with this mission of yours and and um, sharing these heart talks, who would it be? Wow, um, I think. two people don't go you can do two sure you know i think i may not get the answers that i want and i probably wouldn't but i would say my parents okay because being healed now i would deal when they passed away so they're both gone okay yeah they're both gone and my you know my dad i was just healing and um I was about like a year into healing, and he and I really weren't speaking when he died because he said some, he always said nasty things, but I realized how nasty they were, and I was like, you know what, I'm done. Right. He didn't apologize, like, you know, um, and he never would apologize. So, but I think it would be my parents just to ask the questions. I have a feeling they would deny everything um, because my mom, once when I was 16, I started with an eating disorder. And I guess a couple months into, like, anorexia, I noticed, knew what I was doing was, like, it got out of hand. And I didn't, and I asked my parents if I, they could take me to therapy, and they said, no, that, you know, it wouldn't look right, and they don't do that. And oh so I asked God. my mom, like, I guess in my early 40s, um, and she's like, oh, what are you talking about? And I'm like, okay, never mind, this isn't going. <laughs> right. But, yeah, but I think, I think it would be, how about you? Who would you? I always said Mother Teresa, only because I... <laughs> she was my second one I was with. Yeah, I just, I love, I love it that she was in the trenches um, and trying to make a difference with the people who were hurting the most. Um, yeah. And that's kind of where I am, you know, I, I connect with, like you said, you know, we tend to be drawn to um, fellow um, aces and um, I... I I equate it to, um, you know, I, I wrote it the other day, and I can't remember the words I used, but it, it's like, 
I'm drawn to that. Uh, I'm drawn to the broken heartbeats of the world. Um, yeah. And so that's, I kind of think that's what, you know, Mother Teresa was trying to do is just help the broken heartbeats. So, yeah. You know, it's funny. And by the way, I don't, I haven't looked today, but I never got your questions. Oh, you did it? So okay. forgive me for if I'm not prepared for them. Oh, yeah, no, no, it's fine. It's, it's fun yeah. when I can when I can throw that one out because that's a good one. And it, it usually does people take, you know, kind of take a step back like, oh, good question. That's a good well, one. Well, here's another one for you. How, what is love? How would you define love? How would I define love? Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, wow, that's a really good one, too. Um, my, my gut instinct says light, which is like, you know, just um, purity and... Um, I don't know, um, a connecting of souls, um, finding yeah. connection with someone. Connection. Did you ever find that you felt like you didn't know how to love? Um, yes. Yes. And questioning, well, I, I would find myself questioning, um, what came to light was this, I found that I was, I was always putting, um, Oh shoot, I'm I'm so drawn a blank here, but um, like expectations. I was putting expectations on every relationship, every person. I mean, from my children to you know spouses to um, friendships. I always had these expectations of how it was supposed to be. Um, yeah. Once I learned to let go of expectations and just the whole, you know living in the now and accepting what it is for what it is um, right. was transitional. Yeah. I know. You know, it's funny. When I was mentioned about my heart program, one of the things that I don't know why we don't teach kids in school um, is kindergarten. I'm like, the words, it's not about me. <laughs> it should be ingrained in people's heads, <laughs> you know. I mean, because that's really where we get into trouble when we start, you know, and take our... Like, whatever it is that happens or those experiences and make them mean something about us. Like, I'm like, can we not just prepare kids and go, all right, chances are it's not about you. And yes. bullies, whatever, it's not about you. It's somebody else's issue. Yes. You just have to be in the way of their, like, emotions that are, you know. Oh, I love that. Because, and yes, the same thing that I, once I got, and again, I speak about this, is once I got to a point of forgiveness with my transgressors, I was able to take a look and say, I just happen to be on the path of their violent path or their, you know, whatever path they were on. Um, it wasn't so much about me as it was their anger or their journey. And not that I'm justifying what they did in any way, but it helped take it off of me. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, and that was too, like with, with my parents, like, you know, and even my ex, I never really was angry at them. And I always questioned myself going, okay, am I still not feeling safe to feel angry? And then I went, you know what? No, because when I saw this, I realized, holy crap, they have their childhoods that they never healed from. Yes. Yes. So, like, our parents are, I, I mean, one of the problems with ACEs, and I'm sure you've seen this, is that even if we help kids, if we send kids home to parents who are still emotionally stuck in that period of childhood wherever their age has started, then, 
Yeah. You know, you got to fix the whole family together. The whole system. Whoever's living yes. together, they, and, and I don't want to use word fix. That was the wrong word. You have to help people understand how to heal from this as a unit, not just children, not just adults, you know, because I, I don't know, maybe what I experienced is as I became, as I began learning and I learned things, but the people around me still were really toxic. That's very challenging to learn how to interact with them. Yes. Well, and to put people at their own level. Put and I don't know if kids have the ability to meet, like, it might be really frustrating if. Well, that's, that's one of the things they talk about with kids is that, you know, we can talk about it all day long, but if a kid if a kid goes back to a to their home, yeah, it, a, a child doesn't have a choice to get away from it. To that's it. So then it's frustrating for the child, I would imagine. Yes. And, yeah. You know. Sure. And if they try to, yeah. So I that's and that's another thing where hard talk came from, like. You know, I'd want to teach people how to be vulnerable enough to have, like, daily heart talks. Like, just, you know, sit in a little circle. Someone has takes, like, a couple minutes, and you say whatever you want to say, and nobody can interfere. No one says a word. That's your time, and you're not right or wrong because they're your feelings. Yes. But at least if it's out, then it's, you know, it's not shoved. It doesn't keep getting those negative emotions. Don't just keep getting forced down further and further year after year. Sure. You know? Well, and I think that's, I mean, I know that's where my panic attacks came, stemmed from because it was so much stored negative energy that had never been released. Um, and so my body and mind were just saying, okay, we can't we can't hold this in anymore. And so it would, it would just set itself free um, through. Yeah. You know, you know when you mentioned the mind and body, did you have experiences um, with the tools you were implementing to to heal with meditation? Did you have any issues with learning how to meditate? Well, yeah, we had talked a little bit before we started recording that, yeah, um, one of the things that I found um, was horrific fear in the in this in the quiet spaces. Um, I like to think of it as the spaces between thoughts. Um, because that's where the, the, the trauma and then the resulting fears were. And that's where they came most to light, and it was terrifying. And so uh, meditating was very hard for me to learn to do. So I, mindfulness training helped with that tremendously because I would sit outside and be in nature, and it was a form of meditation in that I would, I would quiet my thoughts but I would focus not so much on the silence and the, and the quiet, but on the sounds of the birds singing or the, the sensation of the sun against my skin or um, whatever. Again, just being mindful of being in the present moment. And then I right. slowly, slowly learned to meditate and be comfortable as, as I went through EMDR therapy um, and released my traumas and reprocessed. Um, yeah, I was able to meditate eventually. But they're saying, yeah. you know. That well, yeah, well, I was going to say, like, the thing with the mindfulness show and the meditation is that, you know, for people who, I know a lot of women who have had a history of sexual abuse that I've spoken with, and they, they're really hard on themselves because they, 
have great difficulty sitting and meditating. And it's that, you know, from when these traumas happen, sometimes we like disconnect our mind, like from our what our body is experiencing. And in order to meditate, you've got to be able to hook the two together, yeah. you know, to like quiet your mind or, or to notice with the mindfulness, like to notice like you're hearing the bird thing, like that, what's that doing in your body makes you feel good, you know? So just to try to connect that what goes on in the mind goes in the body or, you know, if you're feeling really triggered to kind of stop and go, Hey, what am I feeling? What the heck? Like yes. what caused that? What's happening? <laughs> that, you know? I love it. Yes. And I, I tell people that's when, when those things arise, that's when you journal about it and then take a look at what was being triggered and be gentle with yourself is one of the things I tell people and um, just allow it uh, without judging. And then a lot of times that's where you find the answers and you know, what was, what was coming to, what was coming to the surface? Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny. I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, but I mean, I think this is just going to be a lifelong process and I don't know if you hundred percent, I mean, I don't know, because I don't know what people with trauma, without trauma, or ACEs, I should say, um, you know, what their brains are like, so, and how they think. Right. So I don't really have anything to compare it to, but I have a feeling this work is never done. It's just a daily, you just get better with time, you know, you have your relapses, but... What are your feelings on that? Oh, I agree. I agree. I think I, for the longest time, I had told myself, I can't write a book. I can't stand in front of people and, you know, speak and be a speaker about this stuff because I'm not cured. I'm not fixed. I'm not healed. And so I kept thinking I had to be fixed. And then mm -hmm. I came to the realization that the beauty lies in being able to live a joyous and tranquil life while still being, and I don't want to use the word broken, but right. while still on the healing journey, that's, yeah. that's where the hope lies. And that's my message to people is that it's okay that you're going through this. You can still be happy. You can still be at peace. Um, you, it's okay because this is a journey that uh, it's just the road I'm, I'm going to forever be on and it's okay and I've accepted that. And um, and it's a, actually a very peaceful peaceful road to be on now. Yeah, most of the times it is. Mornings I find. I mean, like my story. Most, as I said, it was manipulation. It was just having people constantly knock you down. Yeah. You know, and and that stuff I think is so hard. Um, well, like, I can't travel. Um, I, I struggle with traveling and being away from my home base. And, again, that goes back to, I think, what you were talking about with the whole home thing, which is fascinating, and I'll probably journal on that later. But is, um, you know, I, I don't drive on highways. I don't drive on bridges. And so my panic, those are the last two things that we really have struggled to get to where is that coming from? What What is that particular thing all about? Um, yeah. And again, 98 sessions in, and we still haven't figured that one out. So Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's funny. I'm like the total opposite, and it just dawned on me like a few months ago because the past year since I quit work, um, as I said, I left work with a knowing that I, I just had this feeling in my gut for a while that I was 
supposed to be somewhere else doing something else. Like my, I loved my job. It was fulfilling. It was great money. It was like I learned from everyone I took care of. They learned from me. But I just felt like it was, I, I did what I was supposed to do in that role. Yeah. And um, so basically I left work and I started learning how to do a business. And I'm trying, you know, I, it's very hard when you try to start a business alone, but when you start, when you try to start a business and you don't know really what you're starting, you just know you have a message. Yes. Then, so it kept me in my house for a very long time, behind the computer, learning skills, writing courses and everything. And, you know, about, I guess, six months into it, you know, I found, and this is what was really cool, though, is like doing a little experiment on myself. I'd always been super resilient. And as I said, I thought it was because I felt like I was part of a greater good, you know, because right. I, I talked to, I had great connections with strangers and, you know, and I, here I am, a queen of codependency, right? So I need to help people. And um, I lock myself in behind a computer for 16 hours a day for like a good seven or eight months. And I did go like, ooh, I'm not feeling so resilient anymore. And I went, oh, wow, it's because I'm not connecting with anyone. Oh, my gosh. I had the uh-huh. conversation with myself this morning. That's crazy. Yeah. And yes. I'm like, you know, uh, there are days I just like, I mean, we're wired for connection. So, and whether you're depressed and you withdraw that way or whether you do it for business, but. Mine was business. I mean, it just, yeah. We cannot be resilient in social isolation. There's no way. No. I just, yeah. Oh, uh, sorry. I did get sidetracked again. But what I can say is you said you can't go on the road. Now, my other thing that I realized was when I'm indoors, I get, like, panicky. I have to be outside. I have to be on the go. I have to be. And it dawned on me. I'm like, wait a second. I wasn't myself in my home. Even when I got married, same thing. I could not be myself with my husband, ex-husband. And I went, that's why I always have to be out and about is because, and why I feel so trapped in a home. In, yeah. in four walls, because I couldn't be me. I went, woo, that one was, you know. Right. Because <laughs> I travel all the time, and the, when I have to come home, even on family vacations, like when my kids were, I would get, like, super depressed having to come home. I'm like, no, I don't want to go back there. I don't want to go back. Right. So I just sold my house, and, you know, I'm living in a hotel for a little bit right now, and but but it was, you know, same idea, opposite things. Like you got your safety at home. I was like out, but yeah. So, what were some of the other questions? I'm sure. Any now. any so myths? Any myths or facts you'd like to clarify for listeners? Um, is there anything that you've learned along the way that you think needs to be clarified? Um, myths or facts? Well, you know. Have you discussed before, like, what the the effects of chronic toxic stress are on the brain and how that all works? No, toxic toxic stress has not come up, actually. You want me to go into that in layman's terms? Sure, go for it. Yeah, just because I think it makes a lot of sense, because I don't know about you, but a lot of us who had a lot of trauma, I know me personally, I never really had a lot of good friends or friends so you, like, you kind of feel different you know you're different but you're not sure why you know 
And I think a lot of us kind of say to ourselves and um, sometimes feel a little crazy, you know, because you know you're different. But so the chronic toxic stress, real quick, means that when when the body's stressed, it goes in fight, flight, or new and freeze, right? And that's like when you almost get in a car accident and, like, you know, you're panicking and, and like, you start, your adrenaline's running, your heart races, you breathe really quick, you may sweat a little. That's, that's like the stress response. And, you know, if that just happens occasionally, that's normal, that's good. It's what your body's supposed to do. But if kids aren't feeling safe and they're undergoing stressors every day, means that system's always on high alert. So it kicks in even when the person isn't in any danger. And when that happens, the body releases these hormones. And one of the most important ones for ACEs is cortisol, which I'm sure anyone trying to lose weight has heard of cortisol. I mean, cortisol, um, it causes inflammation throughout the body. And so that causes medical problems. They're finding now, like years down the road, also causes autoimmune disorders. But what it does that's really cool that's not chemical is in our brain, there are all these different pathways, and and they're developed when we're pretty young. Um, And the brain has two parts. I'm going to try to make it really simple. The picture a lower part, right, which handles our emotions, our memories, and that fight or flight. And then there's a part that sits on top of it, and that's what they call cognitive or executive function, and that does decision-making and and all the skills you get when you're an adult, you know, prioritizing and taking big things and chunking them down small. So what happens is when a kid's, like, under this really bad stress, that bottom primitive brain, it's like when you go to the gym, if you work the same muscle all the time, it gets really big. Well, the same thing happens with the lower brain. So each time the fight or flight is triggered, and the, that lower brain is getting stronger and stronger. Right. The importance of that is that that gets stronger and stronger. That means that executive functioning, that that decision-making part of the brain, that doesn't develop the way it's supposed to. The other problem is in that lower primitive brain, there's an area called the amygdala, which handles our emotions, and it enables us to not get triggered and to not overreact emotionally to something. Well, that, like, changes in size, and and that doesn't work the way it should when you're exposed to these ACEs. And then there's another part of the brain that handles memory, and that's called the hippocampus. And normally, with trauma all the time, like your memories get stored, like in a filing cabinet. The ones in the back stay in the back. The more recent ones come up front. Well, when this hippocampus um, gets smaller, what happens is that they get all messed up. So a memory from the past can, like, be up front. And that's why we get triggered. Yeah. Because that... So, I hope that helps. No, that so, helps tremendously. And that's, you know, like with EMDR, my, my therapy that I went through, and I had told you that um, before, he, before we recorded that, you know, my therapist and I decided I had stored everything in little boxes, separate, separate trauma events, and then we kind of dumped it all in the middle. Um, and I think that was part of how I survived all that I've yeah. gone through because I did I did keep it all separate in these little storage boxes in my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then 
And so we again, I, I just think exactly what you said, there's just some trigger that's happening like on highways and bridges and that particular thing that we just haven't been able to tap into yet. And who knows if we ever will. Um, you know, well, with, what is cool though, it's like aware, when you start having awareness and if you try to start catching yourself on these things, right? then you can see and go, holy shit, look at that. I'm sure your audience has done this because I think everyone has done this. But, you know, let's say, I don't know, you're dating a guy or whatever and he's supposed to call and he doesn't call. Like, what's the first thing most people do? Like, after a while, they start making up this story in their head about why they're not calling, right. you know. And so, like, with awareness, those stories which trigger us, all right, so here's one thing, and this is in this number, but this never text anybody when you're upset. Text it to yourself, and oh, then yes. let a couple hours go by, and yeah. if you still want to send that text, go ahead and send it. Right, but after <laughs> you read it. people right. all the time. But seriously, I'm like, stop, send it to yourself first. <laughs> well, two things, um, that, two things that came to mind, and we'll, we'll end on, on these notes, but and I'll get your thoughts on these two things, is... Um, creating um, new habits and so that's one of the things I we you know we've been practicing in therapy was um, creating healthy habits um, as far as if something is being triggered and how to respond like like teaching the body and brain plasticity I've, I'm loving all the brain plasticity studies and how we can reroute um, those neuron pathways um, that have been so ingrained in us and so learning yeah. to reroute those neuro those neuron pathways has been huge 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 in my recovery um so yeah it is it is huge and that's actually the biggest challenge of mine because like every day as long as i can remember i was called dumb stupid crazy Aww. selfish never be loved never like so it's really difficult um you know the thing that and I think it's probably characteristic, too, of people who've been through trauma is we expect probably way more out of ourselves than other people do, and we're way harder on ourselves. Yes. <laughs> so I know for myself, like, I don't just try to start one habit. I would try to incorporate everything at the same time. So in order not to set people up, like, really just start with one habit at a time. Right. Um, and I think the language is the most important. You know, um, like don't you, instead of the word can't, say I won't instead of I can't. Because can assumes you, you aren't capable. Won't means you have choice. You have choice. Yeah, no, no, I won't do yeah. this, you know. And um, just try to make a positive spin um, on the habits. But it, it's mostly the self-talk. I, I have found with the people that I've spoken to, what gets people into the most trouble is the way we speak to ourselves. Yes. You know, because let's face it, if I said you, and because, you know, what I feel insecure about, that's what's going to trigger me. Sure. You know, like, I have blonde hair. If you came up to me and said, that, that green hair color is the most hideous color on you, I wouldn't get triggered because I know I don't have green hair. But if you come up to me and you call and you say something I did was really stupid and I'm an idiot, that might trigger me because that's what I believed about myself because that's what people told me. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'd say, like, as far as the habits, you know, they all do, like, the mindfulness, the meditation. But it's watch yourself talk. 
you know, try to be your inner cheerleader versus your, you know, inner critic. Yeah, I tell Um, people, be your own best friend. Yeah, I mean, there are times I seriously just have to say to myself, shut up. (laughs) Like, if I'm starting to spin a story, I'll go, okay, prove it to me. Show me how that's right. You know, and I won't talk to myself out loud, but um, (laughs) there was one day I actually texted to a couple of friends. I'm like, you know, it was just one of those days. uh, Mornings are really bad for me. I wake up like that five-year-old scared girl every morning. And, um, you know, I, it was one of those where the negative thoughts were just fine. It was like, oh, my God, I look so old. Look at those wrinkles. Oh, my God, my thighs are fat. I, it was seriously in five minutes, I'm, and I'm, like, laughing as I'm saying it because I'm going, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. <laughs> so I'm, like, texting one thing, and my girlfriend, she's like, that actually went through your head? I'm like, uh-huh, I hate to admit it, but, yeah, it's like, you know. Now I can see how ridiculous it is, right. but if you're not aware you do that, that's how you're your own worst enemy. And then you, you know? once you catch yourself, it is amazing. And then that's when you create those new habit formations. When you say, no, stop, um, let's look right. at this in a different way. Let's let's talk about this in a different manner. Yeah. Yeah. So it is. It's all, I mean, habits can come in every form. We have good habits too, but um, sure. the habits here are harder to break, I think, are not really the ones that we do or don't do. It's the ones that the, the way we talk to ourselves and the stories we tell ourselves. Those yes. are the hardest habits to break. Absolutely. You know. All right. Which and, um, so, well, thank you very much. Oh, no problem. I just wanted to say if you had anything, is there anything else that you feel, you know, you'd like to share or say and um, before we close out? Yeah, I guess I would just like to say, you know, just really be patient. This, I don't, you know, depending upon how old you are, when you start this, like, that you had a lot of unhealthy coping mechanisms for a very long time, and it's not going to change overnight. So, um, gratitude really does help. If you can, I write down every morning, like, I don't care if it's I'm grateful for the smell of coffee. It's just something that really does. It, here's one. If you think a negative thought, be grateful for something. If, if you're noticing that you're thinking a negative thought, be grateful for something. I don't care what it is. The right. carpeting on the floor. Or the, I, write, you know, I, write just, daily, I, like, I write daily little gratitude notes, and I, and I write down. To, I am thankful for, and then I write it, and then I burn it. And I yeah. set it free. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, as, and, and here's the last thing I'll say is that if you're feeling that you're having thoughts that are unlike anyone else and you're all alone and you're crazy and you're ashamed of, like, how you talk to yourself or whatever, be okay being vulnerable because that's a super strength. Yes. Vulnerability is a huge strength. And I guarantee people out there that if you share first, you're going to find whoever you share it with, nine out of ten times will share it back to you. All the years I've asked bizarre questions of people, nobody has ever not answered. And that's usually because I prep it with giving something of myself yes. first, yes. right? That, There's such that, a like, powerful connection in that. There's such a powerful connection. Yes. There is. I love once it. Once you make a safe space to share, people are going to talk. They they want to. I mean, you found that out. Look, I'm going on forever here. Right. <laughs> you know, but. I love it. I think it's fantastic. I could have you on for three more shows. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, but, but I would just say that. Like, learn to start putting the walls down. Because with the walls up, 
unfortunately, like you, how you compartmentalize the memories, you can't compartmentalize love and affection. You're either going to block your whole heart or you got to keep it open and just run the risk. Right. You know, but that's where trusting your gut eventually, once you start healing and start trusting yourself, yes. that's when you'll be able to sense, like, you know, oh, yeah, I better stay away from this person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you start to pick up on the toxic. You start to know, yeah, no, I need to put some healthy boundaries in place with this. Yeah. And it's more, I, mine always starts with the feeling. And I had that intuition ever since the time I was 16. I just ignored it because. I listened to the people who supposedly love me. Yeah. Well, they did love me, but they just weren't healthy themselves. That's all. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. So. Well, thank you very oh much. Oh my gosh, Sherry. thank you. It's been wonderful. I love your insight, and um, I so appreciate you yeah. on air. And if anyone has any questions, um, I can be reached at info i n f o at lesliepeters.com. lesliepetersrn.com. Okay. And um, that's l e s l i e. P-E-T-E-R-S-R-N.com. And the website's the same thing, LesliePetersRN.com. Awesome. Well, yeah, I got on I got on LinkedIn and, and read your bio or something that you'd written on that. And yeah. That, so, yeah. My website's under construction for a few weeks, so you'll get okay. a thing that says undergoing a facelift. But awesome. It's all about ACES. Well, I'm going to close out here real quick, and then I will talk to you as we close out. So thank you, everybody, for joining us today. And until next time, be gentle with yourselves. Thanks. Bye-bye.